Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We're back after a long week. Your Los Angeles Dodgers are 12 and 6, but coming off a little sour taste because they dropped two of three to the Arizona Diamondbacks of all teams. Arizona D-Bags, who are supposed to be the worst in the NLS. The Dodgers somehow found a way to lose two of those three games in Chase Field. David Rosenthal, what are your thoughts on the Dodgers blowing this series? I, you know, I'm not too broken up about this. It's, it's still early April. Uh, the defense was atrocious and probably cost them the game. They hit into a ton of double plays in the first loss. Uh, so I'm not looking too far into this. I, this Dodgers team is loaded. I'm, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing from mostly everybody on the roster with about two to three exceptions. Uh, so you're, this is going to happen. Obviously it's their first series loss to the Diamondbacks since 2019, which is disconcerting a little bit because it is the Diamondbacks. But overall, I'm not looking too into it right now. I'm more upset about, uh, for those who don't know, I'm in LA right now, uh, and I'm staying at my parents' house, and I forgot all they have is Arrowhead water. So that's what I've been drinking. That's, <laughs> I'm way more pissed off about that right now. Well, they lost two of three to the Colorado Rockies. They've lost two of three to the Arizona Diamondbacks. But the good news is it's only April. There's still a lot of baseball left. 12-6 and six is a fine start. Jake Ryder, you could talk about the atrocious defense, or you could talk about the Walker Beeler gem, which he spun out there in game one, the first Dodgers complete game shutout since Hunjin Ryu did one back in 2019. I'll give you the floor. Yeah, and also the first complete game in this season of any pitcher. Yeah. Uh, so that that was really cool to see him to see him do that. It was super efficient. Um, to David's point, uh, Arrowhead water is trash. It's but so also, bad. It but is also, so bad. I don't know where it ranks. I guess we could maybe do this a little later, but I don't know. I feel like Evian is a close, you know, Mm-mm. 
No, Arrowhead's even, number one Arrowhead for you. Is so much worse than literally anything. I'd rather Evian, drink tap water. Evian is tr- is pretty trash too, and it's supposed to be like this fancy. It whatever. does have that like aura of like luxury around it, and it's very mediocre. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, the Dodgers played like Arrowhead water against the defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, um, other than the defense, which we'll get into, um, there were just a lot of hard hit balls that just either were right at guys. Uh, they hit into a lot of double plays, like David mentioned, and then there was a lot of balls that. I felt like they absolutely demolished and crushed and should have been home runs that weren't. Um, And we can get into the ball a little bit later. That was, it's just been, it's just been quite frustrating. I think that um, the ball has had the absolute adverse effect that they wanted it to. They wanted it. They want to create more traffic on the bases, more doubles, more triples, you know, exciting plays like that. But really all you're creating are these like, you know, balls that die at the warning track and you have a lot of low scoring games. So it's really having an opposite effect, but I'm not too worried about, about this. I mean, yeah, it was, it was really annoying to lose two or three to the D backs uh, in Arizona, as it was annoying to lose two or three to the Rockies in Colorado. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just unfortunate. Those two teams are not going to be there in the end in in the NL West. And um, yeah, you got, you got to take care of those teams, but Overall, am I worried? No, I'm not worried at all. Also in that series, the Dodgers in the two losses went three for 11 with runners in scoring position. But despite that monstrosity of a performance, the Dodgers are actually second in all of Major League Baseball when it comes to batting average with runners in scoring position. They're hitting 301 and they have a 789 on base plus slugging, which has resulted in 64 RBIs. They've also been one of the most clutch teams throughout baseball. They're top five with runners on and uh, in general, and then runners in scoring position with two outs, top five at all those metrics. So yeah. Imagine, imagine if, if Mookie Betts came through a few times, you know, that, that average would be way through the roof. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to him. He's batting the worst uh, with runners in scoring position on the team right now. It's like 114. Cody Bellinger's not much better. He's like 130 something. But their most clutch hitter actually is Trey Turner. He's batting 458 with runners in scoring position. Justin Turner, believe it or not, is second, hitting 353. Chris Taylor's third, batting 333. And then just to correct myself, it's Bellinger 143 and Betts 118. I just want to add a quick thing because it, it seems like, you know, the, the Dodgers top to bottom, the lineup is stacked. We know that. But it seems like the bottom part of the order is getting on base a lot. Uh, Bellinger, Lux, and it, it almost feels like that would be that could be the top of some other team's order, right? Uh, and then you get and then you get to Betts, who's supposedly the leadoff hitter, but because the lineup turns over and he's coming up with runners on base, it's just unfortunate that he's not able to come through. So believe it or not, the Dodgers are tied for sixth in all of Major League Baseball for the least amount of errors committed. They've only committed seven. But I guess the difference is the timeliness of these airs seem to be coming at huge moments. We had Gavin Lux throw away a routine out when Tony Gonsolin had runners on second and third and really needed that to get out of a jam. That resulted in two Arizona Diamondbacks scoring. And then there was another kind of easy play to Max Muncy, and he airmailed that one. I forget if that gave the Diamondbacks the lead or whatever. And then I know earlier in the season, there was one to Trey Turner. I think the Dodgers were winning one nothing. He botched that ball as well. Uh, I think it was the Reds who ended up tying it, but the Dodgers went on to win that game. So just the moments seem to be big when these airs are going down. Can I throw something out there? 
Are we sure we should be playing Max Muncy at third base? I don't think we should be. It's but just, the, it's a liability. He's much better at second and first. I, I, I don't feel comfortable with him at third, but I mean, the alternative is he, is he that much worse than Justin Turner right now? I mean, Justin Turner not only looks bad on offense, he looks bad on defense too. Uh, I mean, he's not what he was even last year at this point in the season. So it's kind of pick your poison at third base right now. Yeah. I feel actually, a little, I feel a little bit better with Turner at third just because that's his natural position. Yeah. But. Yeah. That's actually a listener question coming from at X Joshma. Is it too early for the Dodgers to consider shopping for a third baseman before the trade deadline? Yes. Yes. Is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's I'm, an interesting, that's a, that's an interesting point. Um, I'm wondering if Miguel Vargas, I don't know where he stands in terms of call up time, but I don't think it's this season. I don't either. And look, they're going to give Justin Turner as much rope as, as anybody on the team. He's a traditionally slow starter, which I feel like a lot of people are forgetting. It's not true. Uh, in terms of home runs, at least. Yes. It absolutely is. So as he gets older, I think that's going to transcend into overall hitting. Uh, that's just the type of guy he's, he is at the plate. It's not time to worry about Justin Turner yet. He, yes, he looks old and bad, but it's still April. So let's give him till at least mid-May early June before we even start talking about replacements there to me, to me, he's, he's the captain and he's earned it. And I, I would give him much more rope than I think Kevin is willing to give him. Um, I've, I've, I'm ready I've to been get a, into it. I, you know, maybe it's my bias speaking, but I've been a Justin Turner fan since the Dodgers acquired him. I just, I've always loved how he plays the game. Um, I love how clutch he's, uh, historically been not only in the regular season, but in the postseason. So yeah, I'm, I'm willing to give him a lot of leeway. I mean, look at the rest of the lineup. The, the issue is the the biggest issue to me is, is putting him in the middle of the order, which I, I don't think you can really do at this point. If he's, if he's not hit, hitting the ball well, you guys brought it up. Let's get into it. I am concerned about Justin Turner. Let me remind everyone that he is the age of 37. He's not in the midst of his prime anymore. He's off to a 206 batting average to start, a 257 on base, a 254 slugging. That's an OPS of about slightly over 500. The zero home runs, I'm not concerned about because, as David mentioned, he is traditionally not a power hitter to start the season. Get into the stats of why in a second. And eight RBIs, which, as a cleanup hitter, it's not good enough. Historically, I went through 2015 to 2021 his slash line in the months of March and April, depending on when the season starts, he's a 312 batting average, about a 375 on base, a 379 slugging, nine home runs over that span, thus proving he is not a power hitter, but the contact absolutely is there. 51 RBIs. He is so bad right now that you look at Adrian Gonzalez in his last season with the Dodgers in 2017, Agon played 54 games, had a 237 batting average, 299 on base, 373 slugging. Ch uh, Justin Turner is even worse than Chase Utley right now in his final season, who batted 213 with a 305 on base, 305 slugging, and one home run. At the age of 37, I don't know what happened to Turner, who was an all-star last season, but he's aging in dog years right now, and they're DHing him a lot. That's why Max Muncy is playing third, which might not be optimal for the Dodgers' defense. But it's a struggle right now for JT, and I, I am concerned. 
here's what you here's what you could do though. You could put Chris Taylor at third, Muncie at second, and Lux in the outfield. That is an alternative. Yeah. How how is um how is Alberto or Edwin Rios over there? I know they can play third. Alberto can play fine. Rios is, you know, not amazing, but serviceable. But I mean, that means you're taking Turner out of the lineup entirely. Well, you just gotta move him down. You can't have him in the middle yeah, of the order. hundred percent. It's, it's, I mean, Will Smith, it needs to be hitting fourth or fifth for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Turner, Turner and Turner needs to be around sixth or seventh. I'm not, I'm not in panic mode though. I mean, really, I really am not. He just give him, give him at least half a season. If, if after half a season, he's still looking like this. Okay. Yeah, but yes, I don't know. I, I mean, think, I think at best he is the David Freese role of 2019 the rest of the season moving he may it may he may turn into that it's possible um but at this point you gotta you gotta you gotta let things play out i mean the 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 team is it's not hurting the team right now i mean they're they're at the top of the division second place uh, you know half game behind the giants which is another just irritating thing again well all these games might end up mattering because the giants just can't seem to lose yeah well Here's I will the thing. say the positive thing, and I don't know if this is just a byproduct of the dead ball of why JT and a lot of other players are off to a very slow start, but Justin Turner's expecting expected batting average is 235, an X slug of 374. I know in Chase Field, he hit an absolute rocket, which should have probably been a home run. The expecting batting average, I think, was in the high 800s, low 900s. At least should have been a double, but it was caught. And at the same time, you look at the chase rate for Turner. He's not really swinging at a lot of bad pitches, but on the flip side of things, he's really slow on the base paths. I think, I think what you're going to see is because the ball is so unpredictable and you don't know which one you're going to get hitters are going to have to adjust their approach. You know, you can't, if you're a guy like Turner that, you know, doesn't have the uh, Freddie Freeman type of power or even Max Muncy type of power anymore, you got to change your approach, you know, go the other way, slap the ball, you know, make contact, you know, hit the ball to the right side. Those are the things that he's, that he's got to start focusing on instead of, you know, trying to hit the ball out of the park. On a more positive note, the Dodgers pitching staff, especially the starters, which I thought was going to be a question mark coming into the season have been absolutely nothing but fantastic. Walker Buehler, as we mentioned that complete game shutout against the Arizona Diamondbacks what the nine innings obviously only gave up three hits, 10 strikeouts, winning you guys jumbo jacks. If you like Jack of the box, <laughs> only needed 108 this. pitches, no walks. You got Julio Urias, who is on a tear as well. He's now one and one with a 250 ERA, 18 innings pitched, 15 strikeouts, a one whip. And if you just erase that Colorado start since then, he's got a 113 ERA. See, that's that's why I caution us overreacting and not us particular, but you know, when Julio Urias had that blow up start in Colorado, people started freaking out. I mean, Bill Plasky wrote a whole freaking column on it. Like let's settle down. Did you read it? No, I didn't. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Why? I I didn't, you know, I wasn't worried. So why am I going to read an article about why I should be? I'm, I I wasn't, it wasn't going to convince me one way or the other. Bill Plasky says to panic, everybody panic. Yeah. And then uh, obviously Clayton Kershaw, has been fantastic as well. He looks he's great. He looks healthy. The pitching staff as a whole looks pretty damn good. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 3-0, beat the San Diego Padres. ERA is around 250, I want to say. Uh, pulling up a listener question real quick, but you guys uh, talk about something else in the meantime. Are we at all worried about Blake Trinan? I am a little bit, yeah. I mean, he hasn't started throwing from what I've heard. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm worried long-term. I don't, we don't necessarily need him in the short term, but we're going to need him, you know, towards the middle and end of the season. You know, if he misses mm-hmm. a month, month and a half, it's, you know, the Dodgers are still going to be fine in the bullpen. They're getting reinforcements on the way. You got Conley coming back. You got Ferguson coming back. You got a couple other guys coming back. So they're going to be fine. But I mean, he's, he's the best reliever in the bullpen. So you're going to need him. Uh, and I am concerned. Yes. And also Andrew Heaney, same injury as Trinan. We don't know when he's coming back. It could be a while. Neither of them are throwing, but the good news is Tommy Canelan could be activated as soon as this San Francisco Giants series that's coming up after the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Last thing they wanted to see from Canelan is him going back-to-back outings. He's about to complete that box. So this guy's going to be a huge addition to the Dodgers bullpen. They loved him when he was a Yankee. Uh, His last full season in 2019, through 61 innings, 88 strikeouts, ERA in the low threes. Hopefully we get that kind of production because that's just another bonus to what's already a stacked Dodgers bullpen. And then you got Dustin May, who's recovering from Tommy John surgery. Uh, They interviewed him recently on Sportsnet LA. He's about a month away from facing live hitters. I'm not sure if that's uh, in-game or off-game simulation. But that puts Dustin May in a good spot to return to the Dodgers in the summer. Dave Roberts did say they want to build him up as a starter. That was interesting to me. don't necessarily agree with that idea. I think in the short scheme of things, you should just bring him back ASAP and bring him out of the bullpen. I think he'd be more effective that way. But whatever. Yeah, that that kind of took me by surprise, too, because you don't really see that that often. Uh, I mean, he, he was out. I think he got hurt May 1st last yep. year. So that's a pretty quick recovery and a quick buildup as a starter after Tommy John surgery. I mean, look at Caleb Ferguson's buildup. He's been out since 2020 uh, and he's just coming back now too. So either Dustin May is, you know, his body's a quick healer. Uh, I mean, I, I would assume that's that because the Dodgers, they, they take injuries seriously and they have a top medical staff. So I assume Dustin May's body has just responded super well, which is scary for the rest of the league. <laughs> I would be worried about bringing him out of the bullpen only because don't you want him as a starter? I, I mean, I think the bullpen is, is fine. It can, it can, it can deal. You're not, you're not adding Dustin May to the bullpen because you need reinforcements. Oh. You need to make the bullpen stronger. I, I, I want him built up as a starter. So take your time, get him built up. Yeah. I guess it just depends on the injury outlook of things for the Dodgers rotation, but given that he's probably going to return mid season, you might as well get him comfortable coming out of the bullpen because that's most likely what his role will be in the postseason. So why not turn him into like one of the most confident setup relievers? Because that's well, if that's, if that's, I mean, I'm saying if that's what they want to do, then by all means, but if your goal is to eventually put him in the rotation, I don't see why you would put him in the bullpen. Also, you know, it could be a frequency thing. You know, in terms of being, you know, building up as a starter, you pitch, you know, once every five days as a reliever, they might not want to put his arm under that continuous stress, uh, you know, pitching every other day or whatever out of the bullpen uh, in terms of of the recovery from Tommy John. So you could look at it from that way. Uh, I just assume the Dodgers are going to make the right call. So I'm rolling with it. 
what you could do, what you could also do, which it has started to work, uh, is uh, the the tandem. Well, oh, yeah. it was until they put yeah. Tyler Anderson in the rotation, but the tandem of Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson was great. So you could do that with May with another starter, pair him yeah. with another starter. I would assume that's what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to build him up to 100 pitches and have him go six or seven innings. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know. Coming from Ryan at Catch the Blues. Given the pitch selection and sequency Bueller used against Arizona, are we witnessing him take the next step in his development, going from a pitcher who simply overpowered and outwilled his opponent to one who commands a full repertoire? That's a great question. Uh, and I'm going to pull up the the game score real quick, but I'm just, just real quick, I want to say, I had never seen him use that changeup that much and that effectively. Uh, so I think the, the quick answer to that question is yes. I'm going to pull up the, the numbers right now. I'll let you guys get in there. But that changeup is – I had not seen it that much from Bueller. 92-mile-per-hour changeup? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you also see his velocity taken up once more. Saw him hit 97 quite frequently. So the people that were panicking saying that his velocity is diminished. Talked about it, I think, on our last episode. Got to factor in that they did – they had a shortened spring training – He's not going to blow his arm out in the first few starts of the season. So as the season just progresses, Bueller's going to become the ace. And like you guys predicted, very well could be in the Cy Young conversation once more. I think it honestly, people seem to forget for some reason that this was a shortened spring training and starters aren't built up yet. People, I don't understand. It's like people panicking about, Urias, people panicking about Bueller. It's just like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I I'm struggling to find this uh, pitch chart, but but the point stands. I mean, I'd never seen him use the changeup that much. He had 14, I think it was 14 or 15 swing and misses that game, uh, with at least I don't know, just from what I saw, six or seven on the changeup. So this is probably. I mean, I predicted him to win the Cy Young, and for him to do that, he needed to take the next step in his evolution. And that's mixing in more than just the fastball and the curveball. Coming up on our next question queue, we got a couple from at Dub Quacker 7. Okay, I found it real quick. Okay. He threw 11 changeups, got four whiffs from him, and five swings on it. So it may not seem like a lot, but I, I can't remember him throwing that that much. It's no, mostly just fastball uh, curve and then some cutter as well. So good shit, Walker Bueller. All right, so this is something that I know you – uh, Jake wanted to talk about anyway, so perfect setup for this. If Cody sustained similar success at the plate for the entire season, what would his contract look like? Uh, I know we'll tie that into an award in a second, but I think right now probably would get something similar to what Chris Bryant got with the Colorado Rockies. We're talking seven years, $182 million. Cody probably could get eight 200 ish million. You think so? I know so. You think he gets <laughs> less years? I don't know. I mean, he just hasn't been consistent, you know. I, I don't know if a team is willing to go that much. I mean, he looks he looks like he's on the way back. You know, I haven't declared him back as the official status updater of of the Dodgers players. He hasn't reached back yet, but if he can string it together, then then I might agree with you. He does have another year. Uh, so we'll see. But I don't know. He's going to have to be more consistent to get that deal, in my opinion. With the way he's playing, it seems like the Dodgers could potentially get him at some type of bargain. Um, you know, if he doesn't 
If he doesn't he is, reach, if he doesn't reach the MVP level that that we saw him at, he is Boris, though. Yes, he is Scott Boris, which yeah, is so something don't, you, you can throw out keep. the you can throw out the bargain word yeah. there. <laughs> Boris will use that 2019 MVP as if that happened this season. Yep, he's the best. So, so yeah, I six million I, a year. Regardless of of what happens with this contract, I am very impressed with how Cody Bellinger has responded this season. Uh, Last week, he won National League Player of the Week, um, and he uh, hit three home runs over that span. He he had a three hundred four batting average, two doubles and a triple, and he knocked in seven runs. So, like David said, he's not back yet. But he is well on his way. If he if he keeps stringing it together, keeps putting you know decent at bats. That's the thing that I noticed from him is that the at bat quality is there. Um, the at bats are long. They are he's fighting up there. He's fouling off tough pitches. Um, and even if the result isn't positive, he is wearing that pitcher down with the amount of pitches that he is seeing. So that's all very encouraging. The power seems to be coming back. There was there was a ball in the Arizona series where I thought he hit it to Tucson and it just died on the track. Um, so he's getting good barrels on the ball and he's playing a, a terrific center field as always. But um, yeah, I could see if he if he starts putting it together, that's a perfect guy to slide up in the order and, and put him in the middle if you don't want Will Smith hitting fourth or whatever the case is. And they did move him up one game to fifth. Um, I think that, you know, he could live there if, if he is consistent enough, but I like the, I also like the idea of Dave Roberts, not, you know, jumping the gun too early and keeping him in that, you know, seventh, eighth role, or maybe even sixth. Um, I think that's a good spot for him. Follow-up question from dub quacker seven. If Cody regresses or doesn't show up in the playoffs again, would you prefer him or Trey Turner? So I guess the question is, which one? What do you mean you... doesn't show up in the playoffs again? Maybe he he's always shows up. Twenty eight. He always shows up in the playoffs. Yeah, twenty eighteen no. is the the exception. Twenty eighteen World Series and twenty seventeen World Series. But he won. But wait a second. In twenty eighteen, he won the MVP. Uh, oh, the NLCS everyone MVP. struggled to hit. So what? Yeah, I think it was just twenty seventeen. Honestly, I think he was fine in twenty eighteen. The World Series. I don't think he. I think he batted like 0-50. I feel like everybody sucked that World Series. They did, but it's <laughs> that's that's not the point. Uh, it's a tough question, honestly. I mean, especially because they're separate years. You got Turner coming up this year and Bellinger the year after that. It really depends what the Dodgers, you know, want to do with their farm system and what they view uh, replacements as. Because you got Michael Bush, who's crushing the ball in, in, in the minor league system, who can take over second base. You move Lux to short. And then you got a couple outfield prospects, uh, Andy Paget, uh, and a couple other dudes. So it's really who Outman. they prefer. Outman. Uh, there's there's one other. Amaya. Uh, I'm not huge on Amaya. I'm just saying he's on fire right now. He's got like yeah. five home runs. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's really what they prefer. I think it's going to be a decision on what you know level of confidence they have in the younger guys, whether it be the infielders or the outfielders. And I think that's going to determine it. I think to the me, better it's it. it I was just saying, I think the go better ahead, that Trey ahead, Turner does, the less likely they are to sign him because that just heats up his market value and the price becomes too substantial. Yeah, but we saw what happened with the shortstop market this offseason. 
it was Corey Seager and then Carlos Correa had to take a one year, you know, option deal and it that, rot, rot in Minnesota. That's iffy because Carlos Correa could have gotten the 300 million. He just wanted more. Could he have though? Yeah, he could turned he? out. I know he, for a fact he turned out, I think it was from the, was it the Tigers or someone offered him, I think 10 for 300 million. Wasn't it the Astros or what did they offer? No, the Astros didn't get the 300. They lowballed him. Yeah, they did. They got to like 170 or something. So my my thought on the whole Trey Turner versus Cody Bellinger thing is I agree with Kevin. Like his, you know, his asking price is kind of going through the roof because he is he is that good. I think what you have to consider is Trey Turner, you know what you're getting every single year. You're getting power, you're getting speed. You're getting a middle of the order bat and he's consistently good year in and year out. Now he did come up short in the postseason, although I, you know, I don't fault him because again, not, you know, not a lot of guys came through specifically in the NLCS. Um, So I cut him a little bit slack, a little bit of slack there. And, you know, we can kind of evaluate what happens this postseason, but overall, you talk about consistency and staying healthy and all of that. Trey Turner's got Cody Bellinger beat in a lot of those different areas. And like David just mentioned, there's a lot of guys in the minor leagues that can come up. And so while it pains me to think about losing a guy like Cody Bellinger, cause I really like him. I really believe in him. Um, I would have, I'd have to go. I have to go with keeping Trey Turner at this point. Trey if Turner I had to choose tied for third in the national league with 16 runs batted in. I mean, look, and also here's the other part, right? Is like you sign Trey Turner long-term Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman and Trey Turner for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You don't have to worry about offense for a while. You can just focus on pitching. You One would hope Mookie Betts still batting below 200, which is disappointing, but he's tied. He's going to figure it out. He has to come on. That's what I said last week. It can't, I'm not it can't just be this the whole time. He had it a really... double. He had a two home run game in that first game against the Padres. So there's still a lot there. He's going to definitely turn it on. So right now he's tied for second uh, in the National League with 17 runs scored. So at least he's getting on base. 17 yes. runs scored in 18 games is pretty good. But as a fan, though, as a fan, when he comes up with runners on base, what's you your don't confidence? Feel- Feel good right, right now. You don't What's your feel confidence good? level. It's not very high. It's in fact, it's very low. It's feeling about a, a 118 batting average right now. Yeah, which is atrocious. I will give him credit though. He did. He did get up and talk to reporters and basically said, "I I suck right now and I'm working on it." And it's on yeah, me. That's so I give what him credit. I, that's what I admire about him. He's the anti Russell Westbrook. He takes all the accountability. Yeah, he's no diva. Poor play. You got Russell Westbrook who thinks he's still the number one player on the Lakers thinks he deserves the ball more than LeBron James, but just gets me so mad. I got to change subjects now. Okay. (laughs) Next question comes from at to Roscoe 94. Do you ban or do you not ban the shift or do you just add certain restrictions? Well, I think they are banning the shift. I think that already happens. It's it's unofficially official. I guess, as in they can change their mind because they're Major League Baseball, and that's what they do. They change the rules last second. I I don't care either way because every every team is going to be playing on the same parameters, so I'm good with it or I'm good without it. 
Yeah. Like I, I mentioned to you guys in, in the, uh, in our group chat um, a few days ago, I was watching an old like 2014 Dodgers game. Weirdly, the Dodgers were playing the twins in Minnesota. Um, it was just a random game that they had where Yasiel Puig had four hits and that's why they were showing. Um, but the thing that I noticed was, is that this was very much pre shift pre and, and it's weird too to, to watch a game that way because there were a ton of balls and I didn't even watch that many innings, but there were a ton of balls that went right up the middle, base hit, base hit, base hit. And you think about what it's like today. Those are not hits. Those are right to the second baseman playing or wherever the shortstop is right over the bag at second. And so all of those balls are not getting through. Um, But I, you know, I don't know where I stand on that. I mean, I think that, um, you know, it is, it is baseball either way, although, you know, restricting where the, where the fielders can be um, is never been a, like a rule. So I guess we're, we'll just have to adjust to it, but like there are rules like that in a lot of different sports, you know, where, whether you look at offsides uh, in football or in soccer, or even in, you know, hockey, there's icing and all of that. Um, you know, the, you know, basketball too. Um, there are rules that, that restrict where, where players can be. So um, I, I think that, you know, you're going to see a lot more offense for sure. Um, but I think the main thing that they got to figure out is this baseball. I would be in favor yeah. of a certain number of shifts allowed per game. Like they do with mountain visits. Now, I don't know if five is appropriate or six or less. So like the seventh inning or later, you say like you, you, that's when you game, use like your shifts. If you want to, if you're given six shifts and you want to use them all against Freddie Freeman, then there you go. Those are your most your shifts I, what i think they're going to do is they're going to make it so you can only have two guys to the right or left of second base and no more like you know the the uh manny machado shift where he's playing like short right field i don't think you can do that anymore. oh i, I hate that's a, I that, that's, that I, that's egregious i hate that yeah i think it's going to be something like that the shift ruined d gordon you want to talk <laughs> about 2014 couldn't get him out because he just hit it through that first and second base hole yeah then they throw the shift in there and now he's always out so yeah. Poor guys like D just bouncing on new teams every season. Although he did use steroids. So that probably yeah. hurt him too. Um, w- Want to get into some more dead baseball talk right yeah. now? Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. So I got some stats for you guys. Uh, as we know, the balls are not flying this year. I mean, we saw it in the Arizona series where Will Smith hit one and I forget who else hit one that was, for sure going to be a home run and like off the bat. And then it just wasn't. So here's some stats on barrels pre May 1st, 2019, 70, 76, 776 batting average, 26, uh, 2.658 slugging, 105 exit velocity, 25.9 launch angle, 2021, 741 batting average, 2.465 slugging, 105 exit velocity, 25.9 launch angle. And this year, it goes all the way down to a 692 batting average, 2.192 slugging, 105 exit velocity, 25.9 launch angle. So the exit velocity and the launch angle are the same, but the batting average and the slugging have taken a significant dip. Okay, I got one more stat for you. This is just a specific example. So the White Sox have a player named Jake Berger, which is a funny name, but he's, he's on the White Sox. He had a baseball with a 105.9 mile per hour exit velocity and a 34 degree launch angle. The percentage of like batted balls that were a home run 
of of similar, you know, like batted balls with a 105.9 mile per hour, 34 point uh, 34 degree launch angle. 2018, 74%. 2019, 78%. 2020, 87%. 2021, 84%. 2022, 26%. Jesus. Yeah. So something is up. That shit's way too complicated for me to like really wrap my head around. So let me break it down in more simple terms. The Please. batting average right now around Major League Baseball is 231. For reference, last season, for the entire season, it was 244. On base was 307. That's a slight dip from last year of 317. Now where it really starts to tumble down is the slugging, 368 versus a 411. The on-base plus slugging is 675, which is the lowest OPS since 1972. <laughs> <laughs> which I think... also. Was that the year the Tigers were awful? 1972? The, like the worst team ever. Wasn't it the Detroit Tigers? What, like, Wasn't that like 2008 or something? No, it was. Whereas like well, Mike Maroth lost like 21 games. Tigers have been awful a lot. Yeah. Um, the, the, other, the other thing that, that is being highlighted more now than ever before is how ridiculous Yankee Stadium is as a ballpark. Um, that short porch in right field. I, I watched yeah. a couple of home runs that Rizzo are, that, exactly. That's what I was going to say that Anthony Rizzo hit. Holy hell. I mean, the, you talk about all the hard hit balls in Arizona that that would have cleared the, you know, the uh, upper upper deck of Yankee stadium had uh, had the Dodgers been playing there. I mean, that, that is a, that's a ridiculous ballpark. That really is. The third home run, I believe, had an it's a little league field batting average of 0. 0.010. So, tenth of a hundredth. Crazy low. Home and I saw around. a uh, I, I saw a um, an interview with uh, Mets pitcher Chris Bassett. Um, I don't know if you guys I saw, saw that. That, that was a good and I like that. He was really passionate. And, and if you guys, you know, haven't seen it, you should go go check that out. Go look it up. But basically what he was saying is, is that the baseball feels different from inning to inning. It could feel, you know, one way, one inning, another way, another inning. And the reason he was talking about this is because uh, the Mets have been hit uh, by, by pitches, you know, pretty much more than anybody else in the league. And they're tired of it. And the, the issues that the pitchers are having is that because the ball is apparently different from inning to inning, you know, you got guys that aren't used to these grips and aren't able to control the ball. That's not okay. You know, you can, you know, you take out offense for a second, which obviously, as we just noted, all of those numbers, it is down. But when you bring in player safety into the mix, that's when you really got to figure this shit out because this is not okay. It's a disaster. And we've been over this. I've said on this podcast, I've yelled, pick a ball and keep it. And they're already talking about they're going to change the ball again at some point this season. So it's just, it's just a complete shit show. And Rob Manfred is the ringleader of this circus. All right. So this is a topic that I want to talk about and get your guys' thoughts on uh, Dodgers in extra innings. And it kind of uh, connects to the Padre series. We just saw because the, the one game that the Dodgers lost was in extra innings this year. So they're already and one, but since 2020, since they put that extra runner at second base in extra innings, the Dodgers are 11 and 15. 
That's 2020, 2021, and this year. And 2021, as we all remember, was a particularly bad year for extra innings for the Dodgers for whatever reason. They were 6-13. and 13. They had a 239 batting average and a 738 OPS. My question is, why is this? And the only thing that I can, <laughs> the only thing that I can come to is the fact that for whatever reason, the Dodgers lose a lot of extra inning games because they're not able to score that runner from second base. Why? I don't know, but it, but it happens a lot on the road. I feel like the games that they win at home. I mean, I guess extra innings does give the home team the advantage because if the away team doesn't score in the top half, it's very easy to just bunt the guy over and get a sack fly and you win the game. But what I don't understand is why the Dodgers haven't figured out how to just get that run across. If you're on the road, I know that percentage wise, they would rather get three shots to score this guy instead of one with a sack fly or two with a base hit. But to me, it just is like, if you score that one run and you get a one run advantage, that puts so much more pressure on the home team than if you were to score no runs at all and give the home team an opportunity to score that run and win the game. So I don't understand why they haven't figured this out. And it seems like a, a skill that would, that would give them so many more advantages and opportunities to win games if they would figure out how to bunt the guy over and get a sack fly and just score that run because it changes everything if you're able to do that. I don't have an answer for you. Uh, I, I really don't. It doesn't make a lot of sense. When you said 11 and 15, I honestly was like surprised that it was even that. I thought it was much less. Um, but I don't know. I mean, analytics these days, you know, don't really love the bunt. They don't really love throwing away the out. Uh, even though I, I agree, I don't think it's throwing it away in that scenario. Uh, but you got to get the run in. You just have to. If you I don't, if you don't, you lose. Pretty much, yes, because it puts an insane amount of pressure on your pitcher. Uh, and by that point, you've probably already used your, you know, high leverage relievers. Uh, you know, guys like Trinan and Gratterall and Bessia, uh, stuff like that. Probably were used in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Kimbrel as well. So we saw it against uh, San Diego. They had to throw Brule out there, which you know, man on second, nobody out. Tough spot to be in for any pitcher, especially one of your not high leverage guys. So it all comes down to execution, honestly. I mean, you don't even have to bunt the guy over. You just have to hit a ground ball to the right side. Uh, so it's it for me. It comes down to approach. Uh, I don't think these guys are necessarily changing their approach. And I think that comes from the Dodgers hitting, hitting coaches and, 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 and the, the coaches in general. And if I could just defend Chris Taylor for a second, cause he was getting a lot of, uh, a lot of hate for getting thrown out at third tagging up from second to third Gavin Lux hit a ball to left field and Profar caught the ball flat footed. He had to make a perfect throw to get CT three, who is a very fast runner. Also, he needed to get to third. I mean, they're just you you got to get that guy over and if and if you don't get over to third, you're kind of screwed. So, I don't fault him for trying to take the extra base. I think 9 times out of 10, he makes that and he and he gets the third base safely, but it just it just so happened that Profar, you know, was able to gun him out. I don't know. I I don't think you should be going on a fly ball to left field in my opinion, unless it's deep left field and that's that left field in San Diego is very shallow. So, I didn't love it. But, you know, it, it, that kind of ended the game there. I'd rather have two chances with a man on second than what happened there. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I see that too. But I also, I also see the side of like, got to get that guy to third. I mean, just making it out on, at third base is, is always a disaster, no matter how many outs there are. I don't have an answer for your question, Jake. I don't really care in general, extra innings or extra innings. So whatever long season, screw it. It's the wor- one of the worst rules ever created in major league. Baseball. Oh, it's awful. So dumb. They'll get better. That's all I can say. It was one game. Let's see what happens in the next one because there's plenty more opportunities. Like a Corey Seager at bat, let's try to just swing on the first pitch to make these quicks. Just to recap, the Dodgers took two of three against the Padres. We had someone try to instigate something. Oscar wants us to retouch. Are the Dodgers and Padres rivals? Well, if you look at how the Dodgers do against the Padres historically, they kick their ass. Still not a rival. And in this series, the Dodgers outscored San Diego 16 to six in Petco Park. They are a division rival. However, the rivalry is just very one-sided. Yeah, I agree. Manny Machado didn't really do anything in that series. They really kept him in check. Yeah, neither did Fernando Tatis. What happened to him? I saw him uh, horsing around in the outfield, which is always good after coming off a wrist surgery. I mean, they're nothing without him. They are really really, nothing. Yeah, that offense is very stagnant. When when you plug him in the lineup, though, it's a completely different team, obviously. But it's like a switch. Yeah, I don't want to hear about Eric Hosmer. Enough. Crying at every team's doorstep. Please take this guy. And now he's the batting champ. Granted, very early in the season, but he's the only guy hitting above 400, I think. So just shows you AJ Prello doesn't know a clue about the game of baseball. (laughs) <laughs> he's so bad man i mean imagine him without the tatis trade imagine his his resume without that tatis trade well, it's just yeah. the machado been, signing too fired. he would have now you would have been fired before they even had a chance to sign machado he's that bad the last game was certainly a statement when the daughters took that 10 to 2 blowout in all the padres fans given i guess it's Dodger stadium south because i saw more dodger fans in the crowd than San Diegans, but Cody Bellinger, that was where his two home run performance came from. I already mentioned earlier, Mookie Betts had a two home run performance in the first game. They looked good going into Arizona. I don't know what happened, but next up on the docket, the Detroit Tigers, but let you guys add anything else on the Padres real quick. No, I just have my two idiot tweets of the week from Padres fans. So whenever we're ready, I'll get into that. Yeah, go for it. Are we ready? Yep. All right. So these are both from Padres fans and one, well, one Padre fan and one San Diego entity, let's call it. First one from Carlo Cachetto. Here's something to make Padres fans smile even more. The Dodgers owe Mookie Betts about 300 million and he's had progressively worse years since 2018 and is starting this year cold ice cube, ice cube. That was, that was hours before Mookie Betts hit that, those two home run games. So congratulations, Carlo. You're an idiot. Secondly, this is from San Diego MTS, which I don't, and I'm not entirely sure what it is. I think it's either like a transit something like a, that sounds train, like the San train, Diego Metro train or something. conductor railroad people. I don't know. Here it is. Fun fact. The Dodgers are one in five on earth day over the last decade, including their <laughs> most recent earth day L to the Padres in 2021 beating the Dodgers is so good for the planet. And so huh. is taking transit, take the trolley to watch the Padres beat LA today. First of all, shut the hell up, like cringe, <laughs> shut up. You sound stupid. 
enough. Like we don't care about the trolley, like Earth Day, like, yeah, I'm pro environment, but also just shut up with this phrasing. Second of all, the Padres beat the shit out of the Padres that game. So you lost stupid statistic anyway. The Dodgers don't win or lose because it's Earth Day. It just happens to be Earth Day. So take your cringe tweet and uh, shove it up your butt. They yeah, it's also like grasping at straws to like find some advantage yeah, that right? the Padres have over the, over the Dodgers. Yeah. yeah. They made Sean Manaya go from a, a 140 ERA or something up to 340. So they added two runs on his nice little ERA. So not the ace of the Padres, despite what they were trying to claim early on. High emission level ERA from Sean Manaya there. I did not expect the Dodgers to beat Manaya. I thought they were going to beat Darvish, but. I, I expected I expected the Dodgers to not hit Manaya as well, but it's very encouraging that they did. Uh, lefty speaking. So back to this Tiger series, three games at Dodger Stadium. As I had expected, the Detroit Tigers are still bad. They're six and twelve, despite signing Javier Baez, who I don't think really has played for them. And then another pitcher, which I'll get to in a second. He has. He's actually been quite decent, even though he spent a, a little bit on the IL. I know this because he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> so the game, the first time in podcast history where all three of us will be going Friday, April 29th, Tyler Anderson, the lefty against Tyler Alexander, another lefty. So first of all, excited to do this game with you guys if you are listening to this podcast and then hear this and then also are going to the game some friday night find us i don't, I don't what section are we in i don't know uh, i think we're gonna be in section eight okay. but uh yeah only if you're not weird though if you're weird just wave well only cool people listen to this podcast so you don't have to <laughs> yeah worry. there you go exactly it's also the um the first time the three of us have ever been in the same room <laughs> yeah true as far as we know well yeah <laughs> i mean i guess <laughs> it'd be as weird far as we know i mean i guess we i feel like we could have definitely been at dodger stadium at the same time and didn't know it i feel oh, like that'd be 100 that's exactly but yeah. like knowingly this is the first time i guess yes yes second game features it's a tyler off yeah yep. tyler a. i love that i love that the first game that we're going to is a is a Dodgers Tigers game so random. random and like we don't even get Kershaw Bueller Arias we get Tyler. hey I'm, I'm I'm stoked on Tyler Anderson I I, I know I was, you are. I was I hyped know. on when we signed him I'm looking forward to seeing this guy I've seen all the others pitch before I've never seen Tyler Anderson pitch before at least as a Dodger I, yeah. yeah well that's a, good, that's a good point it was not fun for well him. he's wearing the right uniform now <laughs> yeah I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to see his weird funky motion in person yep. Second game features Bo Briske. I don't know who that is. Bo Brisket. <laughs> probably gonna get he's probably gonna be cooked by the time the game's over. <laughs> Facing Clayton Kershaw, who will I guarantee break the Dodgers franchise oh, strikeout man. record. He murdered his name. That poor guy. <laughs> Do you know how to say it? I don't. I don't. Bre- but his, I'm gonna, I'm but gonna if his family's listening, I'm sure they're crying right now. I'm gonna guess it's Br- Brisky. Brisky. Brieski. It could be Brieski, though. I don't know. Don't, don't come to this podcast for pronunciations on anything. Yeah. If you have an ERA over five, you don't deserve to get your name pronounced correctly, <laughs> and that's where he stands. Well, you said Tyler Alexander's name, right? He's got a seven ERA. So, I, how do you butcher that, though? Alexander. No. <laughs> All right. Continue. I mean, maybe it is that, and I got it wrong. 
And then finally, the guy that they gave like 80 million to has an ERA over five, but I can pronounce this one correct. Eduardo Rodriguez, Erod, they like to call him. It will be taken on Walker Bueller. I wish the Dodgers could sign uh, Yasiel Puig for one game just to face <laughs> Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, get the glove I throw again. The Dodgers yeah. are going to sweep this series. I'm just saying it right now. I don't see well, how they lose I, I, a game. Kevin, you made a good point about the Arizona series and the the uh, success of the San Francisco Giants. I mean, yeah, every game actually does does count when you when you consider the fact that the Giants are probably going to be there at the end. Um, you know, contrary to what David might believe. I mean, I, I just you know, I, I can't write them. I can't write them off. I just you just can't. Um, they, they, they looked like they got worse in the offseason, but they're still really good. And Jock Peterson is crushing the ball well uh, he's hurt now he is yep all right well maybe he's not crushing it anymore but he was um yeah i think the dodgers you know they may have after beating the padres two out of three they may have you know took the took you know took their proverbial foot off the gas uh against arizona and i just don't think that that they can really afford to do that um you know they got to play sound baseball i mean if the dodgers had played sound baseball and played good defense, they probably would have won all three, if not two of those three games. Um, since the Tigers have one important player, might as well bring him up because this is probably our last opportunity to talk about him. Miguel Cabrera recently achieved the 3,000 hit milestone. He's one of 27. Is that the number to have 3,000 hits, 500 home runs in a career? Great career. R- regardless, yeah, a very rare feat in his prime he was one of the best hitters of our lifetimes. So I wanted to ask you guys, where does he rank among everyone in the last 20 years? Position players. I, I don't pitchers makes it too. I mean, he's I for mean, sure top 10. Well, like, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm trying to think, <laughs> I think it might just be, all right. Well, I don't, I don't count any of steroid people because they're, they're all cheaters to me. So I, I remove those people from the equation, but I'm thinking it might be, Pujols, Cabrera at the top. It really. I was got, actually going to ask you guys that. Pujols, you know, Trout, and then Cabrera. Yeah, and but Trout, gonna... Trout's not really done yet. You know, I'm talking like people who are like pretty much done. I mean, you're talking just position players, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, oh, I was going to ask you guys that. You know, who who would you take? You know, in their prime, Miguel Cabrera or Albert Pujols. Oh, it's not even it's, close. It's, it's pool. Holes. Yeah. I'm taking pool holes over sure. a, just about, I'm taking pool holes over Babe Ruth in his prime. I think in my, in my lifetime, for Babe sure, Ruth's wife? my <laughs> lifetime for sure. No one even comes close to Albert Pujols. I mean, I would have loved to said, said Barry Bonds, but because he used steroids, it's, it doesn't feel right. So pool holes for me, like the guy, when he was in his prime was batting close, in the high 300s on base was off the charts 40 home run guy every single season driving in 120 plus no one was more locked in than him no yeah i mean griffey griffey too i mean but that's a little more than 20 years ago still taking Pujols over griffey yeah but i'm thinking we saw i mean you know between between Pujols um and miguel cabrera i mean we experienced two of the greatest right-handed hitters ever. I mean, they, they are just, you know, they, there were machines um, in their prime. Um, and uh, did Miguel Cabrera win just uh, one or two triple crowns? 
2012. That was it. Yeah. That's an, that's an, that's an incredible feat in and of itself. And he, and he had a couple MVPs, right? He won back to back. Yeah. And he won one world series in Oh three, which is kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. Most people don't win the world series right away and then achieve all the milestones. It's, It's kind of the world series comes like in the midst of their peak. Well, unfortunately for Cabrera, I mean, the, the, the Tigers were, when he got traded over there, the Tigers were pretty decent. I mean, they were in the postseason kind of consistently. Um, but yeah. for the most part, it's, you know, it's, it's like when Pujols went to the angels, it's just, just nothing to show for it. Uh, team wise. I, I can't remember if he was there in 06, but if he was there in 06, then 06, 2010 and, uh, one more Tigers World Series? No, maybe just those two. Yeah. Or no, it's 20. No, 10 was, sorry, 10 was the Rangers. So 2012 was the Tigers. 2012, yeah. Thanks for beating the Giants, you assholes. <laughs> and you guys, I got a trivia question for you. Name the top five active players in career war right now. Trout. Pujols is Trout one. Is, Pujols is one. Trout is two. The, the next three are difficult. So it's not Cabrera. Botto. It, it is not Cabrera. What'd you say, Kevin? Botto. Nope. Is it? Oh, uh, is it just position players or pitchers nope. too? These last three are all pitchers. Kershaw. Kershaw. Degrom. Nope. Not Degrom. Verlander. Nope. Verlander is point one ahead of Kershaw right now. He's four. And Scherzer. Nope. Oh. Is the last guy a pitcher or a position? He player? is a pitcher. And he played with Clayton Kershaw at one point. Granky. Granky. No. Yep. Oh, Granky. Wow. Yep. That's actually, that's the most shocking one of all of those. Robinson Granky? Cano is actually ahead of Miguel Cabrera as well. In B-War yeah. at least. Yeah, but you don't, but he's a cheater. Yeah, I mind. don't count him. <laughs> <laughs> Granky doesn't surprise me just because he's pitched for so long. He's always effective. Yep. But I actually thought Scherzer would have been ahead. So How is Granky doing this year? Do we know? Average. Uh, I don't know. Like I don't really pay attention. Three or four to ERA. No, not really. At one point, he had two You're not strikeouts. Checking in on the Royals, David. He had I mean, two I like, strikeouts. I like watching Bobby Witt. I'm checking up on him. Two strikeouts over 16 innings pitched, and then he threw another start, and he gave up, or he had like four or five strikeouts. But the two over 16, that's very low. It's very yeah, low. Well, he's he's uh, he's nearing the end. You All right. Also, a disgusting stat: Bobby Abreu finished with 0.2 more career WAR than Ichiro. Oh, because he walked a shit ton. <laughs> no, oh, like, I hate that. I really hate yeah. that. I know. I love Ichiro. It's because his on base is so high. And also J- Jim Edmonds ahead of both of them. Oh, Edmonds was an elite <laughs> yeah. defender. So that's be gross. Why? Edmonds was legit. I know he was, but no, still, but I'm Ichiro. saying, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah. it's the defense. Like nothing got past him in center field. No, he yeah, was a terrific center fielder. That's And when you, Ichiro was not the he was a good. How do you explain? How do you explain Bobby Abreu though? He wasn't <laughs> just a great. He wasn't. He, he walked, wasn't a great. He walked a shit ton. Yeah, but he wasn't. He, a was, great, he was okay at defense in the early. He wasn't stage a great outfield. He wasn't. He wasn't as great as Ichiro was. It, yeah, and then he kind of got fat towards the end of his career and couldn't really feel. Ichiro got knocked Dodger, because all he did is single. Singles do not give you a good war. That's all Ichiro did was single. That's not going to, he's, he's fucking Ichiro, dude. That's why you got to take some of these war things with a grain of salt. Like Derek Jeter, his war is way too low for being one of the greatest hitters ever. Ugh, no, it's not. And no, he's not. 
we're not we're not doing this this episode though we're already we're already pushing it all right, right now. yeah we gotta we gotta wrap this up real quick the dodgers take on the san francisco giants for two games it's looking like they're gonna face the new giants ace in carlos rodon i unless he gets pushed back they will avoid logan webb thankfully who had the Dodgers number last season steroid appointment he's been right now Rodon is three and oh over four starts 23 innings pitched and he leads all of baseball with 38 strikeouts so whatever <laughs> so whatever Farhan <laughs> unlocked with the Giants and Rodon like what the hell happened it's just insane Jock Peterson I guess he's hurt I don't know if he's on the IL but <laughs> six home runs that's stupid and that's about it I mean Brandon Crawford's regress. Brandon Belt's regress. You look like Red Barber with that microphone. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. We might not be recording by the time the Dodgers and Giants. It might be after. So any takeaways or predictions for this series or what do the Dodgers got to do? They got to just execute, man. I mean, the Dodgers are way better than the Giants. The Giants are going to die at some point and the Dodgers should be the one to execute and, and, expedite that process i think they'll take two out of three from detroit i think there'll be one weird game in that series and then the giants uh, i think it's just a two-game series so just execute that's all you got to do you got the best roster in baseball and uh most of your guys are hot right now so just just pitch well and then execute with men on scoring position yeah use this tiger series to figure it back out and get hot and i think the you know you can take that momentum into the giant series and uh yeah i agree with david doesn't matter how hot the Dodgers are. It's it instantly becomes a clean slate. The Giants are not phased at whatever type of ball the Dodgers are playing. What's going to have to happen though is that the Dodgers are going to have to play their style of game and not give the Giants second chances. I'm talking about defense. That's definitely a key. None of these Sheldon noisy nonsense plays that cost us the division. I'm very scared that Kimbrel might blow a save in this series. And that so that's another thing I'm keeping my, my eye out on. They always find a freaking way when they're trailing to get to our bullpen regular season wise. So something that's where something stupid's gonna happen. One of these two games, I don't know which one it will be, but I'm prepared for the worst. Yeah, I'm prepared to be annoyed. They'll sweep them. <laughs> They'll sweep them. They will. You'll see. I think they're sweeping the Tigers. I don't know about the Giants. But. Two out of three from Detroit, two out of two from San Francisco. All right. I'm down. All right. Any final thoughts? Uh, No. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to go to this game tomorrow, though. I haven't been to Dodger Stadium since 2019. Wow. Yep. Yeah, I'm, looking for, I'm looking forward to it. I know. I got to see the new center field thing, too, all that. Oh, yeah. We'll show you that. Yeah. <laughs> My final thoughts are Pedro Baez was designated for assignment by the Houston Astros. They gave him 12 and a half million to throw six innings. I will also add unrelated Jessica Mendoza. I'm a really big fan of her broadcasting. I like what she's bringing to the Dodgers. So I'm looking forward to more games with her in the booth. And then congrats to Ryan Pepio who cracked MLB pipelines pipelines, top 100 prospects. So now he's joining the elite list of Dodgers prospects. I will say on the Mendoza front, she is much better without Alex Rodriguez and the Sunday night baseball crew. I agree. Like I'm she, not fully on, I don't, I'm not going to say I love her. I miss Oral Hershiser a lot. I loved Oral. Uh, don't edit that by itself. Uh, and I think Jessica Mendoza will, she's coming into her groove. She's fine. She's fine. 
I like her, but I also don't think that Joe Davis is that funny. So there's too I much. La- there's too much she laughing does. going she, on. She, she, you know, I'm giving her a little grace period. Once it, once we get into May, uh, then it's time for her to, you know, rein it in. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. Uh, we are presented by Fansided. So go to fansided.com for all sports content. And then there's Dodgers Way Fansided for exclusive Dodgers content. So everyone have a good week. Have a good weekend. Uh, this is it for April. May's coming up. Cool. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.